went to uh, Abba Voyage yesterday. Oh my yeah, god, how I was did. it? I'm, I'm buzzing I a little you bit. saying you were going. Yeah, um, this is not an ad, I'm not saying. And yeah. now go to Abba Voyage <laughs> yeah. in Stratford. One stop to putting my kitchen for 10% off. <laughs> Maybe one day. No, you know what? It was, uh, it was a really interesting experience. I think particularly you'll find it interesting from the kind of performance capture. Uh, it's a CGI hologram. Man. It's more than a hologram. I think oh, it's, it's, it's what everyone says. It's, it's it is. It is. They on stage. They do look really real to the point. I thought they were actors that had had superimposed on. But then on what? the on the on the on the because they because they the move the way they move in the light is is three dimensional in a way that is so real. Like the way that the, their dresses shimmer. And they, they got, and is it like a series of projectors all around? Is there smoke? There is the is you, they have hidden the illusion in such a way that. It's hyper real, you know. They don't want to show you what how it's made, and I'm trying not to oh st- like. I'm not trying to lift back the curtain here. And obviously, on the side, you've got the kind of bigger versions of these people. I mean, it's a little. Imagine a the best version of a software upgrade of like Grand Moff Tarkin in Rogue One, right? Yeah. So like, you've got younger Abba, and they do look a little bit PlayStation cutscene, but yeah. but it you know it works. It works. I think for the older crowd. Oh my God, just that's like, Grand Moff Tarkin. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but in this case, it's, it's Benny. Um, but you were just talking about work, and it reminded me that like there's something. It, I know they're not real. We all know they're not real. There is yeah. a live band, mm. but because you're in a big open space, purpose built for this, with the best audiovisual you know capability mm. you can get, it's something I was reading about this week called the cathedral effect, mm. which is human beings naturally react to high vaulted ceilings and high spaces yes. in a really good way, and, and actually high ceilings naturally initiate creative and abstract thinking. Uh, and it's actually, it's actually more particular than that. It's, it's, it's also when you, we need to be able to see the, the perspective. So it's, it's one thing to have like a cathedral or a, a stadium size Notre atrium. Dame. Like, yeah, but to, to, you need to have something hanging from it for us, for the brain to realize that the, the true scale uh, right, of the perspective, perspective right? Yes. But it, it actually creates a profound effect in, in humans, right? And then you have that with song and everything. And you realize that the design that goes behind a massive performance like this is mm. so brilliant. And then every, and then, so sure enough, when Dancing Queen comes on, I'm like, am I emotional? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> am I emotional with the da-dun, da-dun, da-dun? It's the same effect of watching the film Mamma Mia because you right. put the greatest pop songs of all time. That is, you know, uh, I went, when I went to see um, The Rest Is Politics Live uh, oh, yeah. at, at Christmas time, Alistair Campbell said, there are two people in this world, people who like ABBA and liars. <laughs> yeah. And I kind of I do think that if you, I've, I have some friends who are like real like musos who like, mm. you know, step to 2 a.m. making their own tracks, yeah. listening to, you know, uh, what's Sun- this? Sano. Oh, yeah. and, uh, some, uh, and they're like, oh, technique. I hate ABBA. And, you know, this is probably the most arrogant opinion I will ever say, but yeah. I'm like, if you don't, people who don't like ABBA don't understand music, <laughs> okay? <laughs> and I say that because it's, you, you, I'm not saying you need to like ABBA, but you can look at ABBA and go, I understand quality. the intrinsic musical design. Mm-hmm. It is, I find like ABBA is the- Universal dance floor fillers around the world. It speaks for itself. It's like, uh, there's something very Scandinavian design about uh, ABBA songs and that they are so clean and polished. And they cover so many different well, types not, of genres. Yeah, and... Well put together. It's like when you go and see Scandinavian design, you're like, oh, I like the clean finishes. I see how this slots in so seamlessly. Yes. And it's like, that's an ABBA song. It might not be the most- like emotional but it's just like yeah. so well 
the songs, the layers. I, I did a job which was driving around till about five in the morning and we got an hour left to drive us home. And we're so tired, like drinking yeah. coffee and energy drinks. And we're just like completely fatigued. And this guy goes, let's put on some music. And he just puts on Abba Greatest Hits. And we are at 5 a.m. screaming yeah, yeah, as course. the sun comes up. We're like, it's going mental. It just perks you up. I didn't want to get out of the car. Yeah, I was like, I, was like, I want to see let's go again. <laughs> I don't want the party to end. Um, I would never be that absolute or arrogant about an opinion about film, but I think because I just, it's just one of those moments I was yeah, like, yeah. these guys are great. Yeah. You know, um, I, I think I'm in good company with you, so that's good. Just a quick thing I wanted to pick up on. I saw, a, you, know, you know, we both saw Babylon last week. Yes. And um, we talked about this really great scene, if you've seen it, where they're trying to figure out how to do sound in film. Mm. And one of this, the scenes that happened, which is just an absolute Brilliant. nightmare yeah, of yeah. where to put the mic, you need to hit your mark. If you, if you look this way, wrong this way, the sound is lost. Yeah. And I always used to wonder when you look back in old films, like the first talkies, why everybody talked in this very like uh, yeah. staccato way. Yeah. And I always Stilted. thought silly in some way that like, that's how people talked in the old movies. Yeah. You had to talk like this, you had to be really clear and, and hit your mark. And they, yeah. they, their acting was wooden yeah. because they had to literally stand yeah. in that place. And I just like really realized that that's because of yes. the sound limitations and not being able to move and needing to be really clear. And you're, you're, the, temp, mm. the, the, the constraints within your work has to be yeah. the same. That's why everybody seems to be talking at the same volume. Yeah. Whereas now we can go up and we can go down. Yeah, the modulation. It sounds so different. I was like, of course, of the, course um, that's why. What's great is if you ever, I mean, this has been pushed me on TikTok a few times. You might have it as well. But it's the, it shows outtakes, bloopers from the 40s and the 30s and the 50s. Right. And what is so refreshing is that, yes, they're talking like this and then they'll forget their line and go, Ah, oh, damn it. What was they saying? And they become so much more human yeah. and normal. And they it makes you realize that, oh, they're just like us. Because they're talking about like that and they'll go, ah, oh, damn it. What was my line? Yeah. And they'll laugh. And it's, it's and like, like they reveal, they get, they throw off the shackles of this constraint. We really yeah. realize that our exposure to what these people are like is actually through like restraints of technology. Yeah. And that's why we, yeah. That was a great scene in Babylon. Great scene. I mean, I hope, let us know your thoughts if some people have seen it. Mm. So before we talk about some Oscar stuff today, uh, just quick touching on TV. James, what are you watching? I can watch the second episode of The Last of Us on yes. my plane. Oh, God, it's, I'm, it's I'm, really good. I know, I'm behind. Do you yeah. know what's really funny is I got, I went home uh, last weekend and I rewatched the first episode with my parents. Oh, right? nice. My parents watch a lot of TV. Yeah. And so I'm like, they're usually game, <coughs> game for something different. Mm. And I'm like, well, this is HBO. It's highly produced. And I thought, look, this is a little bit outside your comfort zone because it's kind of in the sci science, science fiction, dystopian kind mm. of realm. And I'm not sure how you relate, you know, respond to zombies and, you know, mm. for want of a better word. And I watched it and they were pretty into it. They were like, okay. And my dad was like, well, it's not something I normally watch, but I'll give it a go. Um, and then they've watched the second episode before I have. I haven't, even, I haven't seen it yeah. yet. And I saw them yesterday at ABBA and they were like, have you, have, you, have you watched it yet? Have you watched the second mm. episode? I was like, oh no, I haven't caught up. And my, my dad was like, you know, it's, it's not something I normally watch <laughs> at all. Like, every dad, week. And it goes, but, uh, but you know, it was good. Yeah, it was good. And then the, that actor's uh, is very good. Yeah. I, I watched that episode and I was like, okay, this is really good. I now feel like that is like the primary source of the story. Mm. And like what I've already experienced is like only a little carbon copy of it. I'm like, I'm just, they've invented yes. their new rules. They've got this new thing where, you know, a large thing about The Last of Us and its design is about sort of nature reclaiming mm. humanity and, you know, the way in which like the overgrown leaves yeah. is like taking back. And when uh, an infected reaches the very late stage, if they don't become this monster, they almost like seep into the wall yeah. and they sort of become part of this like fungal Over environment. Gaia nature thing. Yes, it's kind of like this nice idea, like everything's sort of resetting. And there's they've invented this new thing, which isn't in the game, which is that because, you know... It's going to spoil the episode. No, no, not at all. But because um, they mentioned it in the first episode, because the fungus is... Um, 
you know, linked to the ground, all the zombies can be connected through like this. Oh yeah. this plot. And if you if you flick a thing, kind of like a spider's web, if you yeah. flick it, that's uh, like the upside down in Stranger Things, which you don't watch. Yes, it's all yeah. like hive mind. Hive mind. They've just sort of added this new idea that you know everything's becoming connected in this way that we don't really understand. You could flick something, leave, and it would like attract the horde. Yeah. And I just thought it was really really good to like flesh it out. The relationship between Joel and Tess so well just, done. Just on the adaptation thing you said there about this is now the primary source of the story. Feels like it. It reminds me that when I was studying about adaptation mm. uh, back at film 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 school uni place, um, I feel bad because I talked about my other dissertation the other week and I don't want to be one no, of those guys please. that like, when I started well, this... Well, on your film podcast, it's probably relevant. I so do, I do suppose, suppose I've created a space where that's acceptable. <laughs> yeah. No, but we studied adaptation and one thing that we looked at is that it, the way we often look at things is it, it's like the original last of us for example mm. you're saying is is the originator of that story mm. and this is now like a, 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 a copy of that or not you know a different generation a ne- next thing of it but actually what you should look at it is like the story is 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 just an inherent central idea yeah that it has had one articulation which is a game now this this tv series is another articulation of this story and it's not it's not better or worse or successive yeah. to the previous one it's like the thing the idea is at the core and over here is one expression of that idea in this medium and over here is another expression of this idea in this mm. other medium I'm, so i was doing about american psycho and it's yes. like well american psycho is an essential idea over here it was expressed as a book then they expressed it as a movie and do you know what they even expressed it as a musical they did it as a musical for a bit right and it's not that the musical succeeds or takes over or is bar- it's actually like, different things it's it so once you realize that you think oh yes you you don't have to it's not it, these um successive mediums aren't competing they yeah. are yeah anyway just thought i'd mention that no it's it, you know you almost need to be aware of that when you're taking something that's like an interactive medium for something that's much more passive mm. the last of us is something that has always played on the fact that you're controlling someone mm. and they play on the fact that you know you're meant to agree mm. or be on, be on board with the person you're controlling inherently in a game you sort mm. of do adopt your choices and your actions with what's happening on screen and that's yeah. quite an interesting dynamic to now take into a show and have that same trick, mm. in a sense. Also, one thing I've just remembered is that there is this idea with fidelity in adaptation, which is mm. that, and it's almost something you just don't think about. When we talk about adaptation, we just immediately say, how close is it to the original? How right. close is it? Right. Let's say with a game, I think with the, with the book, it's more obvious. We say, yeah, it's very different to the book, and that's a marker of the film's success or quality. Yeah. And this whole idea of fidelity is like, why does this uh, you know, different medium need to be why why is it measured against how close it is like to the Game original of Thrones, for example yeah like right. like why why is that why is that the deemed to be the the the, um, the success of an adaptation shouldn't be how close it sticks to the original mm. because it should be how well it you know uses a new medium to tell that story in a different way yeah anyway it feels like cuz i've listened to loads of interviews with neil Druckmann, and he's always been able to elaborate when people ask him questions about the plot and go oh well actually like you know this would have happened but don't yeah. have time to tell that i just feel like you know when they said okay we need to adapt this and flesh it out i just feel like he would have had great here's all my notes and like slammed yeah. a big file of facts on the table. It was like, oh, actually, we can go back file to the are quite small, actually. Yeah, no, I think I you mean like a ring binder. Yeah, yeah. I want a file really like, is this encyclopedia. it? Encyclopedia. I, I need Gandalf in uh, oh, yeah. Minas Tirith with the coffee and, mm. the, and the pipe. That's what I'm picturing. Um, you know, The Last of Us is one of the big shows at the moment, so we are just going to, we will be talking about it in little bits and pieces every sort of week, you know, just touching in about TV and what else we're watching as well. And already part two has been Yes, well, they say season two, but season I, guess, two. I guess it will build on. Well, I know this is going to end of part one. I have then. no knowledge of what happens in part I'm two. I'm not going to say Good. anything Don't. because I know Zip so it. many people will be, uh, you know, take, experiencing the story for the first time. Part, the idea of, ad- of adapting part two 
is way more complex than doing part one. Okay. Part well, two structure we'll is um, very unique. It's almost like a yeah. seven act epic. Okay. I was like weary to experience it. And um, yeah. Okay. It's and a very, part two is very, very divisive. Okay. A lot of people I've spoken to really didn't like it. I think a lot of people loved it. It's one of the most critically acclaimed games. I think it's more complex and much darker than the first one. Sounds like Godfather Part 2 to Godfather yeah, Part 1. Yeah, a lot of people <laughs> find it. But it's a really tricky, complicated plot that I think is very hard to take in. And I think what it does is brilliant. It subverts your expectations by taking what Part 1 did, mm. which already like subverted what you thought was going to happen. And it kind of uses that and does it again in a different way. I've spoken to lots of people who say they didn't like Part 2 and I've not met a single person who's been able to go... Well, every time they say why they didn't like it, I'm like, you just didn't get it. You that's think that, exactly yeah. how it was made to make you feel. You're meant to feel kind of horrified and disgusted, and that's the point, and that's why it's brilliant. I bet those people don't like ABBA either. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I bet they don't. But uh, yeah, wearied at the idea of seeing that adapted for the screen. I just thought it just seems like a really hard task. Uh, game on, I say. Here we yeah. go. So last week, the Oscar nominations came out for 2023, and it was a very interesting crop. I think we should spend time going through them and talking about the nominations because we obviously six months ago did that thing where we were like look mm. at the films that could be nominated for an oscar and now we actually have those nominations and um obviously we've probably spoken about individual films and bits and pieces please go and check out our reviews if you fancy yes. hearing our opinions um but i think we should react to it because it's an interesting year let's James. do it i'm gonna go through some of the categories not all of them i'm gonna yes. leave out makeup and styling not because it's not worthy of talking about but i just don't think you and me will we have, have much nothing. to add about yes. the makeup and styling to spot please go and seek out those uh list of nominees if you fancy them yeah. so first up with the nominations for best picture okay they are as follows and these turn up in basically almost all of the other okay. categories so we've got first up is top gun maverick Mm-hmm. Women Talking, which we haven't seen yet. Everything Everywhere All at Once. The Banshees of Inner Sharon. Triangle of Sadness. The Fablemans. All Quiet on the Western Front. Avatar The Way of Water. Elvis and Tar. Okay, so there you go. Let's go through those from the top because, we, again, we've touched on them throughout throughout the year, but yeah. let's just quickly get so Starting with Top Gun Maverick. Done. Well, One. Well, look, Top Gun Fist Bump. You know, great. Wins. I mean, Great, uh, you know, one of the most successful films of last year. We yeah. all really enjoyed it. So much better than it needed to be. Actually, critically. And I'm, you know what? For it to get an Oscar nominated for Best Picture, I think, yes, good yeah. for it. That seems fitting. Shouldn't win. I don't think it should necessarily win, but I think good for it. I'm, and I'm it's happy been nominated many times and it deserves to be. Yes. It's that good. Next up, Women Talking, a film which is coming out in the yes. UK next week or uh, two February weeks. February 10th, I believe. Two so it's weeks. not out yet, but I'm very much looking forward to yep. it. Great cast. I really looks beautiful and interesting you know, it's as got well. Claire Foy and Ben Wisher and Frances yep. McDormand, but I love Jessie Buckley as well. I, she's an actress. I think whenever I see her in something, I think she will always give me an interesting yes. take, regardless of the film. So yeah. um, very much looking forward to seeing Women Talking. <laughs> Sorry, we don't have an impression on it. It is not yet out. Next up, Everything Everywhere All at Once. So the I, Daniels. I rewatched Everything Everywhere All at Once uh, two, two nights ago because I watched it back in May and I thought uh, I'd give it another go. Um, well, I think it's worth saying that currently that is the front runner to win. Um, I, I think agree. that's probably the front runner uh, and, and the ones behind it, just behind it, are possibly Fablemans and Banshees, okay? Yeah. And even though every, Everything Everywhere looks like the most... Fam- famous one you know you kind of have a last minute thing where the film that's the, everyone's second favorite wins which could be like you know like a green book situation okay with everything everywhere i i want to say that i uh, i res- respect the film in many ways i, I I'm, I'm watching it i was like i i really 
admire how they've thrown everything at this. I, and I love how original and fresh it is. I love watching all the, how inventive it is. It's made in a maximalist style. I've said this in, in an interview, right? Which is just throw everything at the screen. And, and, and I get that and I respect it and I love it. And I think Michelle Yeoh is great and Kiki Kwan is great. The whole cast is great. And the and just, you know, it, it, it's an experience that is so completely new and refreshing. And a bit like when I saw Tar, I was Original. like, wow. I'm just, originality is, mm. is what sticks out. And if that wins best picture, I'd be absolutely fine with that. Yeah. I think that it, it, it's great to shake the tree and it's great to say, this is what a, a modern film can do and mm. can look like. My only reservation is, and this is very much a personal thing. It's not actually, I don't think a testament to the film's quality. Is that, I thought I thought this would be different on my second viewing, but I watch it and within half an hour I am just exhausted. Uh, I, I am see. really, really exhausted. And, running on a treadmill trying to keep up. And I'm like, I want to enjoy this more, and I and it's, it's satisfying my eyes, but me personally, I it's 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 too much. Mm. It's too much for me. I hit I hit a limit with it, and it keeps going, and I think this is good, but I'm lagging behind you guys, and and uh, I hear it, but it's, it's the same thing that happened with me with Uncut Gems. Which is like uh, a right, huge yeah. amount of praise. I go into this knowing this has got a huge amount of praise, and I watch it, and I get it. But with again, within twenty minutes of Uncut Gems, I'm like, okay, okay, this is. See, I like thank that you. about Uncut. Yeah, I know. I agree. I feel the I, same. But I was almost like, God, this is a lot. This I, is, I, I that's knew, kind of the point. Again, I love. I, this is very yeah. personal. I love that it can rattle your cage and grab you in a film that can shake you, shake around a yeah. little. And I and I'm I like I said, I respect the fact it's doing. It. Keep doing it. I, go for it. Don't let me stop you. But personally, I'm just like. Oh, this is I know what you mean. Even the moment of Uncut Gems where he just goes for like a Shabbat dinner, it's still like yes. nauseatingly there's no, there's tense. No, there's no breathing space. I think everywhere, everything everywhere sits in this uh, great little corner where it doesn't feel, it, it's really original storytelling that doesn't feel iterative. It feels like an original yes. way to tell a story. Even like Top Gun Maverick and a lot of the other nominees feel like, you know, the, the Hollywood churn right now is you yeah. take what's been done, you reboot, yeah. you remake, take an idea. You can see the copy it's been made You can of, see, yeah. and you know, even Top Gun Maverick doing it as well as it did yeah. and you've got amazing you know biopics and you know you've got yeah. Spielberg it still feels like something a way in which we told a story before that is like new jokes new humor yes. new cinematic style I agree that's where I think people are so drawn to it like it's refreshing to watch and that's why I think it could do well I, I, I totally agree and I, I love it for that and if it wins this picture for all those reasons I'll be so happy for it I've got yeah. nothing against the film but it's interesting because well, we'll talk about the other nominees in a second, but carry on. Next up was Banshees of Inner Sharon. Well, I was, was going to say, similarly with Banshees, not maximalist style at all, not crazy inventive, but the concept at the heart of Banshees is very new. Yeah. I don't think I've seen that before. It's like a really weird twisted breakup movie. And I, I also rewatched that the other week. Yeah. And uh, again, I think some people I know love that film. A lot of people I speak to go, oh yeah, I saw Banshees, really good. Yeah. And a lot of people say that. And I, and I think fine, I, mm. I'm with them. I don't really, I, I think, I again, I don't go as far. I think a lot was lost do. on me. I think like yeah. I need someone to really like break down on a deeper level, like what is happening between okay. them, what it's comparing well, I to. Think, and well, the, well we, I had a discussion with my parents after I watched it and it was like, obviously the, the, the most obvious comparison of Banshees is the civil war that's mm. happening on the mainland, right? Yeah. And you can kind of see this thing that's happening where like- From the background. Um, it's like their parents, uh, Siobhan and uh, Porrick's parents have left. And you could almost argue that that's like the the the, the end of the the British leaving years before and your Irish independence, yeah. and it's like great, and now and now you've you've you, you know everything's fine, and then suddenly they start fighting each other, and suddenly you have the civil war, and it's like suddenly Brendan Gleeson is like, I don't like you anymore, and I don't want to talk to you, and it shatters this illusion for Porek, and he's like, you know, why? So there's all that's there, um, and you could argue that like Siobhan represents the. Uh, 
a percentage of the population that emigrated still wanted to leave because they said it wasn't enough to, to you know, had to get away from this madness. Um, I think that that's one allegory you can obviously yeah. draw into. I I think what's interesting is that Siobhan is representative of the future, and she you know she's aspiration she wants to she wants to leave, and Brendan Gleeson is stuck in the past. He's thinking about how much time he's lost, and it's almost a, te- a film by like ignorance because Porrick is kind of walking along in his own ignorance. Like Colin Farrell's character, yeah. he's happy to go to the pub at two o'clock every day and live out this meaning existence. They say you're one of life's good guys, aren't you? Mm. Um, and this. The, it's kind of like, is ignorance bliss? They've shattered this illusion for him by saying, I don't want to be friends with you anymore. And he's then coming to terms with, why would you not? And, and the result is bad. It just, it makes mm. him bitter. And, Destructive and, it, and violent. It's, and it's quite a bleak ending. Sad. sad and interesting. I just think that I, I, I wish it had had a couple of sharper punches for me, but mm. I'm fine with it existing. I think it's an interesting concept. I think it's Martin McDonough's, I think it's my favorite Martin McDonough film after In Bruges. I think it's almost like this sense that uh, like it's about you know needless violence. It, yes. d- it didn't need to happen. Yeah. And in, you're using that in like a metaphor or allegory. Yes. It's like, yes, well, like, that sort of do- makes a disconnect when I'm watching this version of the story. And, that, and also like Colm cutting his own fingers off, yeah. even though he wants to play more music. The, sort of almost the, illogical, the yes. illogicalness of the violence. Which is a point yeah. you're making as a film director, but almost like as a, as a plot device in your film, does that work? Mm. Interesting questions. Anyway. Next up is Ruben Oslin's Triangle of Sadness. So again, I've not seen and... You know, it's like I, you know, I can see why it won the Palme d'Or, yeah. especially when I started watching it. It's, um, it's a film that I knew had mixed reviews and I watched it and I was in the, in the beginning, I'm like really liking it. I'm like, God, this is such a, so many interesting ideas being thrown out, so many really interesting conversations. And um, it just doesn't sustain itself as it goes on. It's got a really clear cut three-act structure where like, I really feel like the, yeah. pl- the film takes place in three very different yeah. paces, settings, and tones. And um, you, get, you get towards the end, it just really does not sustain its own ideas, yeah. which are all individually really great. But it felt like I was, I <laughs> yeah. was like, sort of turning over a page and starting again every single time. Mm. Really like the punchline at the end. Um, and it just becomes a little bit too long, a little bit ridiculous. Yeah. So okay. I, didn't, I didn't really get on with it. I think I, I wouldn't personally see it winning Best okay. Picture. Next up is The Fablemans. We reviewed it yeah. last week. I mean, what more to say than other than uh, we really like it. I do think when we were talking about Everything Everywhere, it's like, I understand why that could beat The Fablemans because The Fablemans is a very the classic, Chloe, film. classic It's a classic, estab- it's, a, it's an establishment film. It's an yeah. established film. Spielberg doing it in his way in a style that's been established for the past 50, 40, 50 years. Yeah. I love it. The one thing I didn't say in my review last week is that I do, the one thing I was, you know, joke about it is that the the bullies in it are a bit wonky. They're a little bit, hey, Poindexter, <laughs> yeah. drop your books. <laughs> you know, it's a bit yeah. nightmare. But maybe they're literally in the like 1950s, 1950s, they would be like well, that's that. It. Yeah. It's like they literally walked out of a 1950s sitcom and yeah. they're, they're, they're like that. But um, uh, I, I love it. I think it's a, it's a really wonderful film. Next up, a film which you and I have not seen yet is All Quiet on the Western Front, which yes. I feel like you and me having not seen it is also a byproduct. So I don't think many people have spoken about it. I do feel like it kind of, unfortunately yeah. snuck out because I've heard great things. They do want to try yeah. and check it out before the Oscars so happens. So it, it did get a limited cinema release. Yeah. It came out on Netflix and it's available to watch then. I, I think you and I will definitely make a concerted effort to watch that before yeah. the, Oscar, uh, the Oscars happen. I, all I know is that what's interesting about it is All Quiet on the Western Front was originally made in a film in 1930. And it was yeah. the third ever Best Picture winner, okay, back in 1930. Yeah. But it's, it's a, it was based on a German novel, I believe. Uh, I think German or Austrian, but um, German, of, and it, but it's never been made in its original language. So that's what's that's why they've decided to make this now. You know, many years later, let's make it in the German language as it, as it was meant to be done. 
and I and I have heard really really great mm. powerful things, and I've seen clips. It's just a product of the maddening film season that we live in. That it's been quite an intense one to put on as well but, on a nice evening. Yeah, two and a half hour, one, the, you know, sad yeah. one. But, but definitely we will catch it out, so watch this space. Next up, Avatar, The Way of Water. Well, James, I mean, I think that you're still getting comments on TikTok about how you don't understand and you've misunderstood the entire film. I would just say, having me not seen it, I see that there and I think, well, it had mixed reviews. I'm almost like that has so much money behind it yeah, that's what I that think. can just, just barrel its way through to best picture yeah. and pick on people who go, oh yeah, well Avatar, that got nominated for best picture in 2010. So yeah, that's just, I guess it can just follow exactly up. Exactly what I think. I think it's just so success, so successful, so big. It's never going to win, but just the nomination is like a nod to the fact that it's enjoyed and loved by so many yeah. people. I personally found it uh, very boring as per my review. Next up, a film which I also want to see before the awards is Elvis, Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. Right. So yeah I, yeah, I saw this cranky back all the way back in July. Check out our review. Elvis is one of those films that out of context when you see clips of it, it has made me question how, how good it is. Oh, really? And so I was kind of on the like, fence. Oh, wow. Well, I, well, you know, Austin Butler, undoubtedly great and, mm. you know, gets all deserves all the accolades. But there are things that I've looked back on and gone... You know, it's so camp and kitsch and crazy in its style, yeah. which at times is admirable. I, I believe you're going to see a Baz Luhrmann film, let Baz go for it and, and make it. But I think, you know, the whole Tom Hanks th- uh, element to him d- dressed as Jabba the Hutt, yeah. <laughs> um, doing his kind of, hello. What the-? I, I, I'm surprised at how serious some people have taken that film because I look at it and go, well, there's some great moments in it. But yeah. There's also moments that are really quite silly and quite laughable. And like, you can't really... For it to be nominated for Best Picture, I'm like, yeah, but there are moments that are really camp and, and, and weak in it. Yeah. Um, I think that it also skips over some grittier details of Elvis's life. And I don't think it gives us a newer picture, a newer depiction of him other than the one we want to hear, which is it, he was very sad, he died very young, yeah. but incredibly talented. I don't think it ever questions or challenges the kind of idea of Elvis we have it just gives it the Baz Luhrmann treatment which is entertaining mm. entertaining enough for some time but as, as I want, a solid piece of drama hmm. I wonder if people are slightly fatigued by Baz Luhrmann's style well I don't think evidently not I mean it's no. just been nominated for best picture <laughs> yeah. and I see lots of uh, positive reviews of it on TikTok so I don't think people are <laughs> well, there you go yeah uh, and then but like last I said, one. But, sorry just like, like I said last week there Elvis is just as camp and just as questionable and just as wonky as Babylon is but I don't know, Babylon at least I felt was trying to kind of, t- it's, it's just a new, different I'd story. I'd have to see Elvis to compare. But I will, I will try and get, think, it, yeah. get it seen. Uh, and then last up, Tar, we reviewed it two weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> one more to say, just other than it's incredibly knotty, complex, very different, bold. Impenetrable. Impenetrable, but also incredibly engrossing uh, film with a great performance at its heart. It's cold, it's... It's, it's a film I'm going to be like really interested to talk about for a while, yeah. and like I want to like sit with it and rethink about yeah. what's what what part of that film stays in my head, and yeah. maybe even rewatch it in a year or two mm. just to retake it in. But um, I, I think I've said this before. Paul Schrader once said, "A good film starts when you leave the theater," and I feel mm. like sometimes I have that with Tar, which I'm, I, I've come away and it's like left sort of residue in my mind. I go, ah, but what about that bit? What about that bit? Someone said, James, what should I see that's out? And I was like, well, Tar is out, and it's really interesting. They were like, is it good? And I was like. Yeah, but I can totally see if people don't like it. And I was like, but if you didn't like it, it's fine. But I'm also like, you should you should go see it anyway. Yeah. It's kind of challenging and difficult. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so those are 
the best picture nominees. Great. Those films are all going to pop up in a lot of other categories, which we'll follow through. I think just talking, as, looking at that as a whole bunch of films. How many have we got there? Nine? I think nine One, films. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten films. Okay, great. I, I, I actually do think, looking as a, as a crop of films, it's a really good year. Really good. I look at all of those individual films, and they are all quite different from each other. Yeah. You've got for, two foreign language films. You've got art house indie films. You've got mega blockbusters. Yeah. You've got established talent. You've got new talent coming through, and there's nothing in there that immediately screams classic Oscar Bay, I don't think. I mean, maybe something all like quiet All Quiet and maybe. All Quiet and Fablemans, perhaps traditionally, but uh, even Elvis is so done in such a specific style yeah. that it doesn't really... Um, I'm looking forward yeah. to seeing women talking. I wonder oh, that could too. come out and completely take everyone else But at the moment, the I mean, things might change, but I think at the moment it looks like everything everywhere leads the pack. This is, sorry, this is the one slight thing with the Oscars. Is. Because there are so many awards leading up to the Oscars, by the time you get there, you, like, kind of, you kind of already know, in the, you get a feeling in the water. It's not a surprise. Yeah. You're like, yeah. But then like Green Book happens and everyone goes, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> they keep you interested. Yeah. Like, what? Uh, next up. Yeah, we're, we're going to do... need uh, Will Smith to do something major this year <laughs> yeah. to just change things up, okay? Off <laughs> from 100 million yeah. this time. Uh, next up, we're going to do Best Actor. All right. Lovely. Next up is Best Actor. We have five nominees. They are Brendan Fraser for The Whale, sure. Austin Butler for Elvis, yep. Colin Farrell for The Banshees of Inner Sharon, yep. Bill Nye for Living, yep. and Paul Meskel for After Sun. Well, nothing we need to say on a lot of the... I mean, obviously, Brendan we've talked about, yep. and everyone kind of knows. Uh, Colin Farrell we've talked about, great actor, can do no wrong, and yep. like, he's just wonderful in everything. Austin Butler, I hear. Austin Butler is very good at Welcome Elvis. Welcome to yeah. the show, Austin Yeah, fan fantastic. Um, and then uh, Bill Nye, hey, you know, good for him. I love that he's been nominated. A solid character actor, really giving a lead role. A lead role, And yeah. a very understated performance, but for me, obviously, the big thing is Paul Meskell getting an Oscar. Mm, so he's huge. 26 years old. He is a fantastic actor. We already knew this. Burst onto the scene with normal people and, and broke you our hearts. What's slightly cheeky is that really he's a supporting actor in After Sun. If you think about it, the film yeah. isn't really. It, it, it's a bit. It's a bit right. of a push to call him best actor, but he is brilliant in it for a very minimal performance and um, heartbreaking. And it is. It is nice and refreshing that new talent like that can be recognised in the main category. He's not been blocked out by... He's one of those actors that carries like a, just a wisdom beyond his years and a, a complex communication of emotion that yeah. I think we love to go, wow, only 26... Like the way we talk about Florence Pugh. Like, yeah. look, how, look how much depth and like he's deep got, understanding yeah. of the material they're working and with. That kind of... He's kind of got that Brando physicality where he's very masculine and you know he's yes, afraid but, but he's got this vulnerable. very but yeah equally very vulnerable side to him yeah, um, same with um jack rayner's performance in what richard yes, did he was yeah. like a big tough rugby lad who mm -hmm. ends up like is that scene of him curled up in the ball crying and you're like oh he's been reduced to this tiny ball so imagine if he wins i mean he won't Huge. but like if he subverts all expectations brendan so, Fraser is probably gonna win yeah, I, I, I haven't seen the film i think i think brendan has reclaimed the, the front runner now for a time it was austin butler and for a time mm. it was colin farrell but i think it's going back to brendan now it'll be interesting to like revisit our predictions and see who yes who wins in the end uh okay best actress we have got another five nominees we've got andrea riseborough to leslie yes michelle williams for the fablemans kate blanchett for tar anna de armas for blonde and Michelle Yeoh for everything, everywhere. Well, the interesting thing to start with there is is Andrew Riseborough for To Leslie, which yeah. is a film that's a, a nomination that's caught a lot of people by surprise. For mm. A film that got a film that was very underseen and sort of under released. Not seen it. 
Uh, I I can't remember it coming out here. I don't know. Maybe maybe it will do now. I do a film podcast and it's passed me by. There's a, there's a there was a whole Guardian article about how is this film suddenly broken through and get, mm. got a nomination. And there have been a lots of it was pointing out how there have been lots of celebrities going on Twitter and vocally throwing their support behind this thing, saying Andrew Riseborough is amazing. You know, people like Edward Norton and and like Francis McDormand just saying this is you've got to see this film. And yeah, she, what a, what an amazing performance. And it's clearly worked and and some people have been like well what a grassroots thing that it's, it's been able to be championed um this journalist was very good at actually pointing out that what you're actually seeing is probably a very very well executed strategic pr plan i mean yeah. this shouldn't be a surprise to anyone all oscar nominations are the result of pr lobbying oh yeah it's it's a but huge i think that they were saying that a couple of uh well-placed phone calls and a couple of of real uh uh you know good lobbying behind the scenes has been able to get this nomination so whoever her PR team is, or or, the, or her agents <laughs> yeah. are. This is a win for them, really, as well as providing a great performance. It's supplemented exactly. by. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying thing. that Andrew Reisman does, no, does no, deserve yes. to be there. I'm just like it's clear that like how, if you're interested it takes in a lot of work, how a, a film small can suddenly film. break through. Yeah, but also it's great because now that film gets more attention and gets more love, and will probably grant it a release or a wide release or a re-release that it hadn't had before. Which is what an award show should do. Exactly. Right? Bring so, to light amazing performances, amazing So good, good, good for that. Um, and, you know, Andrea Riseborough is, is an actress who's been around, uh, yes. actress, been around for, for loads and cropped up things. She's always brilliant, actually. Yeah. And I've always thought for a really long time, where work. is her moment? So for her to come through and get a, a, a nomination, great. Uh, um, Michelle Williams in The Fablemans. Br- brilliant. Mean, uh, any other year, she would be the front again, runner. another person who's always been one of the best supporting actors you could have in your, yes. pl- in your film. And I'm just like, you are being properly put on the biggest stage now. And I'm so glad. Yeah, uh, yeah. In, in any other year, she would be the front runner, but it's just not that kind of year. Yeah, Fantastic. next up, Kate Blanchett for Tar. I mean, incredible performance, performance from Kate, from Kate Blanchett. Um, Anna de Armas for Blonde. Uh, a great <laughs> performance. I know it's a film we didn't like and we really kind of went into it, but uh, she is a very confusing good. Confusing and strange film to take in a long, beautiful yes. film. Um, and Anna- also ugly. Disgusting and horrible, but Anna de Armas really- Very good. She, very she did No Time to Die. I think everyone like properly fell in love with her in No mm. Time to Die. And we're like, where's, where's Anna de Armas' Bond film? Yeah. Um, she was like the best 20 minutes of that movie. A deserved, a deserved nomination though. And then Michelle Yeoh. Uh, Michelle Yeoh, who's good. currently the front runner to win. And totally fine with that. She is very good in every, very good in everything everywhere. And also Michelle Yeoh, an actress who, again, has been around for so long, pop, popped up in so many different things. Yeah. And, and things of complete different genres and everything. Uh, I, I'd love it if she won. Yeah. Um, let's move on to best cinematography. Yeah. We've got five nominees. So we've got uh, Roger Deakins for Empire of Light, uh, James Friend for All Quiet on the Western Front, Darius Congee for Bardo False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths, Mandy Walker for Elvis, and Florian Hofmeister for Tar. Interesting that, uh, yeah, that is, okay, well. So start with Roger Deakins' Empire of Light. I mean, Aunt Roger Deakins is like the OG cinematographer and that film, as we both agreed, looks magnificent. Absolutely impeccable. The reason why I think I was able to like keep watching yes, it with it interest, because the other yeah. part, the, all the other parts of it, I felt completely fell flat yeah, and did not totally. work for me, but it was gorgeous to look at all the way through. Um, I, I, I agree. So Tricks you to think it, it's a better if, film. If it's like, yeah, it's like Roger Deakins got an Oscar nomination, shocker, obviously. Yeah. Um, Next. Uh, next up is uh, James Friend for All Quiet. Right, All Quiet. No, we haven't seen, we haven't so, we seen so I can't comment. Uh, next up, Darius Conji for Bardo, False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths. I haven't seen. That's the, the Alexandro, Alejandro Iñárritu film. Um, again, sorry, I haven't seen. Can't uh, Mandy Walker for Elvis. Any comments on that? Um, Elvis. You've got a lot of Baz Luhrmann flair there, right? You've got, yeah, it's very, it's a completely different style of cinematography. Mm. Um, I don't want to say it's, yeah, it's not, 
it's it kind of works in capturing the spectacle of Elvis. I think that's mm. the, probably the best thing about the cinematography in that. It really does capture the wildness. There's a couple of... I mean, this isn't the cinematographer's fault, but there are a couple of bits of sort of weird CGI kind of blending montages. Yeah. But uh, I think, yeah, and it, being able to render the real life... It, 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 the cinematography works in bringing Elvis both back down to earth and also making him seem like a superstar. So fine, yeah. Um, then Tar, Florian Hofmeister. Yeah. Um, <laughs> beautiful to look at. Beautiful, very but, but cold, cold and austere yeah, and bleak. And sinister, yeah. very sinister looking, very, uh, looking film. All these, all these nominees are very different as they should be. Lovely. All right, next up, best visual effects. Top Gun Maverick, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water and The Batman. To me, I feel like this is between Top Gun, Avatar, and Batman. I don't feel like Batman will get it. I think it will be Top Gun or Avatar. I think Avatar will win it. You think Avatar will win it? I've not even seen it, but again, I just think they, they put so much money behind it. And it's an easy one for a voter who doesn't know anything about visual effects to go, well, Avatar is the future. Top Gun was a way better pre the big screen presentation than Avatar. And also- Avatar, I did comment about how I thought Avatar was wildly immersive, but I also, there were a lot of things about that presentation I thought- But also, and also Avatar is like upfront with saying to you, this is a visually effect effects film. And I'm sure it's, Top Gun is slightly more subtle because yeah. the use of practical effects, real flight, but visual effects are clearly in there. I'll say I'm a little bit like, eh, from Black Panther Wakanda Forever, getting a nomina nomination for visual effects. I think like a lot of Marvel, recent mm. Marvel projects, a lot of it looks a little bit rubbery yeah. if you're looking too close. But yeah, just a quick nod to visual effects. Let's now talk about best supportings. We'll run through them very quickly. I'll read them out for act best supporting yeah. actor and actress, and you can just give me who you think is yeah. going to be a good shout. So best supporting actress nominees are Angela Bassett for Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Kerry Condon, The Banshees of Sharon, Jamie Lee Curtis for Everything Everywhere, Stephanie Hsu for Everything Everywhere, and Hong Chao for The Whale. Oh, I'm sorry. I know you said pick one, but actually I'm, I am actually going to get into that. Yeah. Uh, so I've not seen Angela Bassett. Um, I think putting Jamie Lee Curtis in there is a bit of a stretch, frankly. I love Jamie Lee Curtis. Really good in that film, but- But I feel like that, and maybe with the Angela Bassett one, is giving lip service to a veteran actor. Yeah. And like, great, but- no, I don't think so. Kerry Condon, I think. I think Kerry Condon, really, I'd love, I'd love she's her. She's brilliant you know in what? that. I think she probably would be one of my uh, favorites to win that because like I said, she, she, an actor who's been in lots of things but probably hasn't broken through. She was mm. a better cool soul, not even a main character. You're really, right, yeah. And now she's been given this Oscar nomination. I, th I love that when people break through. Yeah. Hong Chao though in The Whale is really, really, really? good. She's really good. And she's probably wow. in the film more than Kerry Condon is in Banshees. Um, and Hong Chao is in a, quite a few things. I watched that she was in the menu, which I watched as well, mm. by the way. Um, so I think I'd actually personally choose Hong Chao for The Whale. Lovely. Into Best Supporting Actor, we've got Brendan Gleeson what for about you? Sorry, What about you? Oh, sorry, yeah. I, I think Kerry Condon would be great. Yeah. Uh, Angela Bassett's also really good, but I just, I, I just like the movie is going to take away from that. I didn't hate it. I just like, yeah, it's a bit too obvious for me. Uh, very much looking forward to seeing The Whale from your endless recommendations. Yeah. Uh, going on to Best Supporting Actor, Brendan Gleeson for Banshees, Brian Tyree Henry, Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway, Judd Hirsch for The Fablemans, Barry Keegan for Banshees, Ki Hu Juan for Everything Everywhere. Well, I think Judd Hirsch is only in, not in Fablemans enough to really justify that. Great yeah. scene, but he's not really in it enough. Yeah. Um, I love Barry Keegan, uh, which is how I've learned that, that is pronounced. We've been saying Keegan for a while, but I, I saw, say Keegan. Well, we've been saying Keegan actually. Have we? I've been saying we Keegan. We literally Googled it, how to pronounce it. And then the, oh, the only reason I'm saying Keegan is because I saw a video of. Richard E. Grant doing his um, reaction to the nominees. <laughs> and he was like, actors I've worked with, uh, Barry Keegan, Kerry Condon. And I was like, oh, Keegan is it? Okay, good. So yeah, Barry Keegan, I mean, again, we've I loved him in so much. I think he's my choice. He's fantastic. Uh, I'm not aware of this Brian Tyree Henry film, even though he's someone we talked about as an yeah. underactor. We talked about both Barry Keegan and uh, Brian Tyree Henry, I think, for- 
for our what and for underrated. I don't think me. Barry Keegan was two, in there. Two of the Eternals there. Yeah, two <laughs> of the Eternals. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, and who who else? Uh, so we got Ki Huey, Ki Huey ah. Kwan for everything, everywhere. Uh, yeah, that's it. I would go Brendan for Key. Gleason. Yeah. Because not, that speech he did is uh, the thing is the story of, of him coming back is almost the reason to to, vote, uh, to to nominate him. And I knowing that, I then when I rewatched everything everywhere, I was like, he is very good in this. He has to play three different versions mm. of the same character. Yeah, and he is brilliant. And I I think people will be swept up by that story, and I'm totally happy for it. I want him to win because it almost like it's the inspirational value of him winning is more valuable for the whole film industry <laughs> than, than <laughs> yeah. these other nominees winning, okay? So fingers crossed for him. Any thoughts on Brendan Gleeson as best supporting? I love Brendan Gleeson. to him to be a supporting when I feel like he almost has an equal... He does, he almost have an equal, but you can't split the vote and you have both, put both your actors in for one yeah. category. So, um, I, I mean, Brendan Gleeson, good in everything. So it's a strong year. It really is. It's a lot of hot competition. I mean, look, there are other categories, but in the interest of time, Please go out yes. and have a look for yourself. But there you go. That was just a look at the Oscars 2023. We will probably do a recap, probably quicker once they've all been announced and who's won and just who yeah. got slapped by who. And we'll just see any of the other it's drama. It's Chris that. Rock with the chair. <laughs> yeah. um, so stay tuned for that. But there you go. Those were the nominees for Oscars 2023. James, just following that chat about the Oscars I wanted to uh, do something we did last year for the yes. Oscars which is to revisit the nominees for best picture 10 years ago mm-hmm. with the idea that uh, we said this before increasingly sometimes particularly in the last few years films would sort of come out of nowhere get nominated and do very well and then disappear again and no, no one really talk about them they yes. drop, drop away from the zeitgeist I don't think that's the case this year I think all of those films uh, have have caught people's attention and, and are kind of recognisable. Yeah. But uh, with that in mind, I wanted to pull up the 2013 Best Picture nominees and see if, how many you could remember. We've got nine nominees, mm-hmm. uh, and actually this this was quite a good year. It's got yeah. quite it's got quite a few uh, big films in there. So, James, to begin with, could you tell me what won Best Picture in 2013? So. 2013 is the year... All the films that came out in 2012. Yes, so that's why I'm recommending. So it is the year of Zero Dark Thirty and Argo. Argo won Best Picture. There we go. Argo won Best Picture. Argo won Best Picture. But was it... So Brad... uh, Well, Brad Pitt, the other white guy. uh, Ben Affleck didn't get nominated for Best Director. Was that what what happened that Uh, year? I know. I think he might have done. No, uh... I don't know about that. Was that the drama or something? But he ended up winning Best Picture or something? Maybe, or maybe he didn't get nominated for Best Director, I think might have been. But Argo at the time was Mm. one of those films that, solid, and uh, you know, uh, people liked it. But I think it took people by surprise because they thought it was good. And it was, because it was like, again, it was the kind of, um, it was the the middle ground for a lot of people. It was the film, it's the second favorite for everyone. What do you think of Argo? Uh, I really liked it. I didn't, yeah. I didn't see it in cinemas at the time. I remember watching it on TV, yeah. but I was like, yeah, that's a really fun, thrilling, very like muted performance from Ben Affleck. He's yes. almost like really sort of deadpan. And- yeah, he won a Best Actor award at the BAFTAs for that. Yes, yeah. Which I was a bit surprised about. Um, he's bad, but... Yeah, no, I like Argo. I'd actually rewatch it. Do you remember I, in the context of the time series that, you know, this was kind of Ben Affleck's comeback? Yes. He'd, he'd gone away so and he'd started... Yes, so he directed he Gone Baby back. Gone and The Town. And he did Gone Girl. And this was like the crowning achievement yes. of, his, of his return. How long was he gone for from well, acting? Well, not that long. I mean, yeah. five years. From acting, I think it was probably... He hadn't really had any main roles until yeah. then. So he was... Uh, he he put himself in The Town, which was his film in 2010, yes. right? Uh and 
I think I think I think him doing this film put him back on the map, and afterwards he started to turn up in stuff, right? Little Batman and all of that. Oh yes, yeah. um, that's what you know. You consider that like mainstream yes. success, high high value. I like I like Argo. I I think it was I was I remember at the time. So I was eighteen, and I was really excited for this film because it had to, looked like a very sort of efficient, interesting concept. You know, yeah. you've got real world events. Hostage drama. True story. But, and this kind of quirky, different genre being kind of put into it, which is this, uh, you know, madcap uh, kind of comedic premise of, of making a film, but it's based mm. on a true story. Very tense towards the end. Lots of hair and beards. Very beardy, yeah. isn't it? Um, David Ar- on the scale that? of David Russell, hair and beards. Do you remember that scene where they're in the, the minivan and they're like in the crowd and people are banging on them and, and they're trying Not to- Not really, I don't, I need to rewatch it. A solid film. I think kind of the definition of solid, but I haven't, I've watched it twice, but I haven't seen it for about eight years, right? Right. It's that one best picture. I will go on to one you've guessed next, which is Zero, Zero Dark, Dark Thirty. 30. Where do you yeah. stand on that? No, I really like Zero Dark Thirty. I have also seen it once at the time. At the don't, cinema? Yes. Mm. Don't remember it well at all. But I remember it being very good, very gripping, very uh, Same. I've seen it once at the cinema at the time. I do remember it better. I remember being really, actually, presently, not presently, but like, I think it was really impressive. Yeah. I remember there was a lot of, for want of a better word, shit being thrown at it at the time for its handling of torture and violence and i think when i saw it i think that people it was kind of i wouldn't be surprised it was just uh, i think it was uh to be very cynical prs putting out negative press about zero to to sink absolutely because when you watch the film its depiction of torture is not condoning torture no it is showing the fact that torture happened literally and and years later the report would come out and say the cia Mm. did torture people oh yeah and it's only in this film when they stop torturing people they say we can't do this. Do they actually get some information to go and continue the manhunt? Obviously, yeah. The story about the manhunt for uh, for Bin Laden, which when they were making it, didn't have the ended open endedly, and yeah. then as they were making it, then the, the 2011 Bin Laden raid happened, and they were like, "We've got our third act now." Mm. Um, I remember one of the interesting bits of Zero Dark Thirty was the scene where. She's with James Gandolfini. Je- Jessica Chastain is taken to the canteen by James Gandolfini. And you know, this hunt has gone on for ages. Do you remember it's it's shot in that really drab, it's very you know, bleak. And that scene where sorry, Mark Strong's going, if you think there's anyone above us, mm. this is it. This is yeah. the only people working on this. But James Gandolfini sits in the canteen and he sort of says to her, it's about two thirds of the way in, like, yeah, you started young with us, didn't you? You were started, you were like 17 when you started the academy. And she's like, yeah, you know, I don't know how long have you been working on this? Or about 10 years. And, and you realize it was like a subtle uh, flip side of, of like radicalization. And it's mm. like, equally, they have radicalized Jessica Chastain and brought her into the fight and taken her very young and made her kind of a, a fighter for this cause. I thought that was very interesting. It was the first time we saw Chris Pratt turn up in like a different role. Yes. It was one of the soldiers, her and Joel Edgerton. Um, I think a film that yeah, got misunderstood by a lot of people, but I remember it being really, really impressive and I would happily watch that again. Catherine I'm Bigelow. Fancy, actually, I might rewatch it. Yeah, and, and, and very tense ending. And, mm. and Catherine Bigelow... Um, oh, sorry. Also, I think what held Zero Dark Thirty back is that it fell between two stores. People were expecting more of an action thriller than a kind of stately paced conspiracy thing. Not conspiracy thing. I mean, kind of a you know mission. Um, that was that. And I like Catherine Bigelow. I think Detroit mm. was really good. Didn't get kind of got underrated by a lot Detroit of people. Was so criminally underseen. It's yeah. fantastic. The actors, the acting. Will Poulter, that, Jack Rayner, oh. um, John Boyega. I, that's, that's my so favorite good. John Boyega performance. He's in that, so good in that. Another actor playing wisdom beyond his years. Because well, also like, John really Boyega is a very you know flamboyant, loud. Yeah. You know, if you see him in interviews, really you know wise and talkative. But in in this, he's very restrained. It's very tense boiler room. Yeah. Uh, just fantastic drama. But go and seek out Detroit because I bet you haven't seen it. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, okay, so that's Argo and Zero Dark Thirty. You've got seven other nominees. Could you tell me what they are? Is it um, 2012? Uh, 12 Years Slave would have been a year later, wouldn't year it? A year later. Okay, there's a couple of films in here from uh, very famous filmmakers. You've actually named, you named one of them just now while talking about something else, when you're talking about beards. Beards. Um, oh, David O. Russell. Yes, so we've David got O. Russell. Silver Linings Playbook. Correct. Oh, of course, just which people have emailed in and asked us about a few times. I think like we've touched upon it. I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's like fine. Have seen it once. Only seen it once. It. No, yeah. not didn't hype on about it like a lot of people did. I would be interesting to see now how it's, its depiction of mental health has aged because yes, I think we've that. become a much more informed generation. Now. I also think people really liked the stars in it who were so hot right now at the time. Yes. Like Jennifer Lawrence being, you know, getting, uh, she, she won. She, for, she won best, best actress. Yeah. She tripped, tripped, tripped up, up the, stage, up the stairs. Yeah. yeah, very kooky and fun. And like Bradley Cooper, you know, really going in. I think it's like the start of him really breaking yeah. out and doing really serious yes. roles and being considered as a best actor. And I think that's what attracted a lot of people more than the actual film. Yes. And I think Robert De Niro in there. David well. Russell makes me kind of always go a bit. Eh. Yeah. There's um, moments in that, like when you're seeing Chris the dance. Chris Tucker's in that movie. And so is Julia Stiles as well. Yes, I remember Julia Stiles. I think there's moments where like the dance happens at the end where you are like, oh, this is all kind of like built to something. And you've got this like moment yeah. where these characters are coming together under high stakes. And I think that is like quite rewarding, but I don't know how much of the rest of it I get on with. Also, this was in that era where everyone just sort of worshipped at the altar of David O. Russell. You had the fights yeah. and you had Silver Linings, and you had American Hustle, and it was like you could do no wrong. And American Hustle felt like the peak of his powers, even though that film isn't very good. I felt like no. it was like, oh my God, the new David Russell with know. all those actors, isn't it going to be? No, a big but... wiggy askew. I remember nothing about American Hustle. Well, I just remembered the When we do the Oscars next year, <laughs> we'll and I tell you about, about 2014 yeah. ones doing that. Okay, so that was Silver Linings Playbook, which is fine. Okay, James, you've got a couple more. You've got one from a very famous filmmaker. You've got uh, two from two from very famous- Django. Film. Django Unchained. Django Unchained, yeah. So Spiel, um, sorry, not Spielberg. Tarantino won for- Best Original Screenplay. You won an Oscar for that, that this year. Well deserved, and I'd say. Christoph Waltz won for, oh, for playing King Shots. Amazing Schultz. performance from Christoph Waltz. How do you stand on Django? I really like Django. I think it's fantastic. There are so many incredible scenes. I think um, Christoph Waltz uh, proved that he could be more than just a, a, nasty, a nasty villain. He's so... Um, he has a real warmth to him in that film, but he's also like very transactional and cold at the same time. And I think he balanced that really well. Jamie Foxx, I know he won an Oscar. I still think he's like an underused and underrated actor. I just think he's like so, so good in that film. There's this clip which has um, gone yeah. viral recently where Jamie Foxx, I think it was on Howard Stern. He's yeah. talking about, you know, Howard Stern's like, well, you know, what, what, what was, was it like working with Quentin Tarantino? Quentin Tarantino? And apparently Jamie Foxx, you know, first day on set, he's playing him too cocky and too arrogant. Yeah, too, and Quentin too movie star cool. And Quentin Tarantino goes, cut, let's just, let's just talk for a second. And he just goes, what the fuck was that? <laughs> he's like, what do you mean? He's like, he's a slave. Yeah. He's not cool. I, I knew this would be a problem. Yeah. You walk in here with your Louis Vuitton bag and your Range Rover. He's a slave. Yeah. He's not a cool guy. Yeah. Maybe he's cool at the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Jerry like, Boyce just he like- He can't read. <laughs> he can't do this. Yeah. And then, and then, at the end, he, he gets to be the hero. <laughs> yeah. He's not so Jim funny. Brown. <laughs> yeah, he's not Jim Brown. Uh, and you go and find that clip because Jamie Foxx does the best impression, yes. better than we've just done of Quentin Tarantino. That's very good. Uh, I, uh, like, I, I like Django. I, I saw it at the cinema and I thought it was okay. Uh, and then I, I think I've rewatched it again. I, 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 prefer, I prefer, you know what? I think probably Django hits me right in the middle of Tarantino. Yeah. I think there are, I think there's a I good four. Glorious Bastards, I'd say. I say there's, I think there's probably five of his films I enjoy more than that. Yes, sure. I think that's probably the, the neutral mark, Django. But isn't that amazing? Great that, like, the bag scene that with Django Hill. Yeah. That is your like fifth favorite Tarantino yes, film, like a film of that yeah. quality. And it's, yeah, and it, and it is solid. Bit long. 
if I was to criticize it, I feel like the end As slightly. Most of his films, that's yeah. true. But like this, this is, uh, it sustained itself a little bit, you know, when the yeah. house is blowing. Oh, uh, yeah. A little bit. Oh, like... And that terrible cameo from Tarantino where he turns oh, up God, and he's yeah, an Australian. After you're two really and a half hours that. in, yeah. you're like, wait, what? Yeah, you yeah. just ripped me out of this film. I agree. Very it's, bad. It, it, I think it was one of the first Tarantinos I watched. I mean, yeah, again, I was like perfect age. Mm. I was like, you know, 18. For it. I was like, oh, I'm starting to find you occasionally quite annoying. Yeah. Which is a lot of people can rub, you, know, you can rub people up the wrong way. I like the Samuel Jackson kind of twist of his character and how that happened. Yeah, I feel like yeah. I've heard there were a lot of scenes that were cut, which gave that a bit more yeah. life and a bit more, uh, you know, fleshed it out more, which I think could have been good. But at the same time, that film is a bit long. And Leonardo DiCaprio, holy shit, okay. what an actor. Oh yeah, and that was the first film in like 16 years where Leo didn't have top billing for a film that he was in. Wow, is it really? He gets that, a, I think he gets sense. an and, or he might just get fourth billing or something. And Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. He completely steals the show once he turns yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> get out of candy. Um, okay, great. Uh, what's next? So we've got uh, about six more. You've done three. Um, so we've done Argo, Silver Linings Playbook, Zero Dark Thirty, and Django. Sorry, so we- Good year. So we've got six, uh, five more. Okay, what do we got? Go on. There's one from a very famous filmmaker we've been talking about who's nominated this year. Uh, is it Spielberg? It is Spielberg. So is it Bridge of Spies? No, that's 2015. Uh, before Bridge of Spies would have been... What's, what was before that? I don't know. Uh, for four score in three years. Oh, Lincoln. That's right. Yes, yes. The film I haven't seen, but we so, did a cast this countdown. Yes. We were like, uh, 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 astonished. One of the best the cast. casts you could uh, one cram of the best into a cast. film. Yeah. I, Unbelievable. Sure Spielberg can attract talent. There are like 20 leading actors. I'd love to see film. the wage bill on a spreadsheet yeah. and just see like who's getting paid what. But wow, what? Yeah. Uh, uh, I actually should seek it out. I know it's a bit sort of dark and you've grim. You've seen it? No, no, I've not seen it. Oh, Lincoln. okay. Yeah, yeah. I saw it at the cinema at the time. It was like, yep, a solid Spielberg take from history. Yeah. That's fine. Never seen it again. Don't really Daniel need to. Won for he best won for best actor, actor yeah. rightfully so. Um, yes, I would watch it again, but I think it's also, it's a very safe safe Spielberg yeah. solid film okay uh, also I think it's worth saying as a British audience member different it's slightly to connected to the material we, you know, we didn't learn about Lincoln in school obviously no. if you're an American audience it's just be it's Abraham completely different Lincoln. you go into that film with a completely different understanding yeah. of that character and that history um, okay uh, we've got a couple more James uh, we've got a couple of lo- uh, a couple of indies one foreign film and one film that you and I have uh you know, a, a, a very big soft spot for. Give me a clue. Uh, it involves singing. Involves singing. A lot of it. And one person doesn't sing very well. Oh my God, Lame is. Yes. Tom Hooper's Lame is. Yeah. Okay, I think Tom Hooper's Lame is gets a bad rap. I, do, I don't totally. think it's. I don't think it's nearly as bad. Yes, Russell Crowe is in there. Now, prison two, two, four, six, or one. <laughs> your time is up and your parole's begun. Uh, I think that is actually a really solid yeah. adaptation of that play. I would happily, if someone said, oh, we're going to rewatch Lame is, I would happily rub my yeah. hands together yeah. and really enjoy myself. I don't like musicals apart from the musicals that I like. And Lame yes. is, is one of them. <laughs> I really, really like. Uh, I agree. I think people went to see that and were like, I don't really Understand? I'm like, well, I think if you're not, if you don't already like Les Mis, don't bother. Or you're not presupposed. If it, just, it, it, just because you don't like, if you don't like musicals, and you went to see Les Mis, the film you didn't like it. I'm like, well, that's because you don't like musicals, right? Yeah. As someone who knew the musical and liked it, like you did, yeah. 
the way I think it's a very successful rendering of that story of Puts that it on a stage paints on a really on, big yeah, canvas great. shows you the scale of the Brilliant. French Revolution the, the, the pulling of the yeah. shows you see the pulling of the ship yeah. like yes look down like, great a, cinematography really great decision to do uh, I Dreamed a Dream with one unbroken take of Anne Hathaway singing yes. live they, they could have had her walking through and made it too much no just this raw performance she's been thrown around cut, had all her hair yeah. cut off Anne Hathaway's fantastic in that and in that, that was all about the live singing do you remember it was all about everyone singing was singing live, live. And it was sometimes obvious for Russell Crowe. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the Russell Crowe thing didn't bother me because I'm like, he is this kind of brute policeman. Not everyone has to yeah, sing like an Yeah, he's very staccato and, but, um, and Hugh Jackman. Well, great so when he sings the one where he's like, um, oh, eye for an eye, you know, and he's like, Take an eye who am I? I know it. He's so, he really just throws himself into that. And, you know, Valjean yeah. is very Bring physically, him home, yeah. uh, he's like a huge man. He's like a beast in the beginning and you just see the physicality and the intensity in his face. Eddie Redmayne's great in that. Yes, yeah. It's a fantastic voice. But I remember for a good year and a half afterwards, like, I was constantly just whipping out the lame is like yeah. songs. People like we, I would do the confrontation with friends who knew it. Um, I could, I can still do one half, each half of the confrontation with someone else who knows it. Sasha Baron Cohen and Helen Bonham Carter. Yeah, they as, had um, loads of fun. Lady Tenardier, I love yeah, that. I thought he, but Sasha Baron Cohen. Uh, you know when you get a very um, a comedian with a very distinct personality coming into a role, and sometimes yeah. I can be like, well, I just kind of have seen Sasha Baron Cohen. I didn't dislike Sasha Baron Cohen taking but on that role. The only thing I've just remembered it. is at the end of that film when. Uh, uh, Eddie Redmayne's Marius and and uh, Amanda Seyfried's Cosette finally yeah. get married and get together. They have the most opulent, like fat bourgeois wedding, right? With yeah. like your ball gowns and cows and stuff. And For I'm revolutionaries. Like, and I'm like, mate, <laughs> your bloke, your fence just died <laughs> in the revolution. You sang a song about it <laughs> yeah. and you're here, bloody like how the other half live. Yeah. Jesus. And uh, I love the way yeah. they recreated like the barricade. Just, yeah. I wonder what Tom Hooper's doing now because obviously he did, he had great, he did the King's Speech, great success, followed by Les Mis. We great great fan of that. Speech. Yeah. And then he did, Danish Girl, which I thought actually found really boring. I haven't seen, but I heard uh, it And then he did Cats, which oh my God, was obviously a massive train wreck. It's like one of the most notorious train, train wrecks, wrecks yeah. of all train so wrecks. So I don't know where he sits now, if he's going to be able to do anything else, but... I mean, I'm sure he'll do something else. I just think they thought, okay, well, he did Les Mis, so therefore Cats. Yeah. Anyway, I, 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 I have a, I'm absolutely fine with Les Mis, the yeah. 2012 one. That was a tangent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, quickly, just round up the other ones. Okay, there's one more that uh, was based off a book. And it has been a very successful stage play as well after the film. Stage play after the film. With an animal. With an animal. A big cat. Strike Life of Pi. Life of Pi, yes. correct. Ang Lee's Life of Pi. And Ang Lee won for Best Director that year as well. Right, okay. Which is good for him. Gorgeous to look at. Never seen the film. Oh, okay. You saw it. Really beautiful. I saw it in cinema. Very, uh, very colourful and bright. Really went, really, really turned it up to 11 and went for it. Um, I really liked it. I've not seen it since. I think I saw it once, really liked it. And I thought that is a very cool CG tiger. Cool. Okay. I've not seen it, but I, I need to check it out. I mean, I've been saying that about the book for ages as well, but whatever. Mm -hmm. Okay. Two more, James, two smaller films, independent films. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think you're going to get this. So one was a more Michael Haneke's film. Oh yeah. Remember? Not seen it, but I know of. Elderly couple uh, whose yes. whose wife is 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 succumbing to dementia. Not seen it. Heard it's beautiful. Absolutely want to check it out. It's just, I I I say this now, and I remember saying that ten years ago, and I'm like, fuck, I need to. It's a bit like when we talked about Son of Swords. Like, I just need to find a time. There's not going to be a time Never to a sit down time. and watch a more. Yeah. But I need to just sit myself down and watch it because yep. it's meant to be brilliant. And the other one. Now this film got huge amount of attention at the time. Very small independent film. I remember loads of people loving it. 
that is Beasts of the Southern Wild. Do you remember? Yes, but have I you seen, seen it? it? No, but I know of it. I know it, it was bringing magical realism back to cinema, and it was you know filmed on a low budget, and it was like set in the South, but it had elements. Yes. It, it, people were just clearly very refreshed. But oh, it had this performance by Quavenjane Wallace uh, as the as, as as the main child, and yeah, but it was just this excitement of this this new type of film coming through. Yes. I, I, I haven't gone and seen it in the 10 years since. And I think part of that reason is, is the director- it's Sean Penn as well, isn't it? Is he uh, maybe, I don't yeah. know. But, but since then, the director has only made one film and that came out in 2020 and it was called Wendy and it wasn't as well received. And that again right, was like magical okay. realism, slight Peter Pan influence. But it's like, he made this big film. He takes eight years to make this other one. And it's kind of that thing where it's like, I'm really sorry, but like- the moments pass now. Mm. You've, it's a shame. It's like you needed to follow that up with the Amazing Spider-Man Part Two or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. It's so cynical, but um, but uh, anyway, I mean that 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 had a. I mean, hopefully, he'll come back with another film. But I would just remember that getting a lot of attention, and that's that was quite a good year. That actually. is always a very interesting exercise, just yeah. to go back and go, oh yeah, like that's what was shit hot at the time. Because there are recognized. there. Are, I mean, I think we, on the most of his films are still have aged very well. And, you know, you know Django's still a big film. Les Mis, Life of Pi, Lincoln, Silver Linings, Zero Dark Thirty. Even if you saw those on Netflix, Carousel, on the Netflix Carousel, Carousel yes, you'd be like, that's really fine. Good, really good. But there are years, undeniably, where you go, you, there are some Best Picture nominees and you go, what? Yeah. <laughs> Extremely huh? loud and incredibly close. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, that was just a, a very little breakaway. That was kind of our game for today, I think. Yeah. Um, I hope you don't mind because- We've done a, a longer one. We've longer done a longer episode. game, a, a longer exercise. Anyway, that's a, that brings our whole Oscar discussion to a close. The Oscars are on the 13th of March uh, this year. Let us know what you think should win Best Picture. Yeah, Best Actor, Best Supporting, or any other shouts you think we've missed out. I'd love to just start getting opinions on those. And somebody who's seen Tar and can explain to me more about what it's about. <laughs> okay, George, should we do some of the emails that we received Absolutely. this week? As my always, favourite part of the show. I, it always is my favourite. I feel like we just end up covering a million different things. James, I want to say, I don't care about what you say. I want to hear what other did. people have to say. I am literally <laughs> just like thinking about my, my lunch when you talk. <laughs> you see my mouth moving <laughs> yeah. and you, all you hear is blah, 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 George, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> blah, 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 movie, my film degree. <laughs> blah, 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 before sunrise, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Go see it. Um, if you wanted to send us an email, you can do by emailing hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. Just like Joe did. Joe writes into the show and says, big up to the Pop Kitchen Boaz, spelt B-O-I-Z. I like that. I like or that. Z, but it makes me want to say, brap, 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 brackets, <laughs> all other greetings were taken. Just got back from watching Babylon, Damien Chazelle's Ode to the Golden Ear of Hollywood. Ear? Oh, yeah. Era. He said ear. <laughs> he meant era. <laughs> the golden People's ear. People's ears in those days were magnificent. <laughs> Can you imagine you walk down Hollywood Boulevard and it's like a golden ear. <laughs> but you know, hey, it's about the, the advent of sound, So right? it almost, almost most work, but I think Freud we meant era, yeah, uh, in the 20s and 30s. Yep. Uh, yes, we reviewed Babylon last week. Please go and check out our opinion on Babylon. Um, is an enormous, as an enormous fan of Whiplash, I was very excited by the prospect of Damien Chazelle doing something completely different. He goes on to say that Babylon is three hours and nine minutes long, and he says, saying this, Babylon is very long. Very, very long. Indeed. Unjustifiably so, with the last act of the film leaving somewhat of a sour taste in my mouth. Mm -hmm. The conclusion of Babylon, which takes around 45 minutes, becomes arduous, mainly due to all of the character arcs splintering off into their relevant endings, a completely unnecessary process which only leads to the audience feeling undermined and patronised. About 25 times, I felt like the end of the film had come, hoping, like Whiplash, there was an element of the unknown. Mm. Nope, another storyline ending, and another, 
and another. The crescendo, in inverted commas, that I think Damien was building to at the end of the film completely loses its hype, and you're itching to leave the cinema, and if anything, just seemed a bit weird. All in all, I did enjoy the film, but my partner couldn't stand it. Her literally, uh, I could, and having her literally twiddle her thumbs <laughs> partway through may have had an impact on my general experience. Thanks to the podcast, guys. Joe from Milton Keynes. Uh, P.S. I tag your TikTok count a lot in a lot of videos that I think are interesting. Is this useful to you guys? Or a bit of yeah, no, no, we always check <laughs> always it out. Thank it. you. Always love that. Um, just a thing about... A lot Babylon. of similar complaints yeah. from us, weren't they? The thing is about Babylon, and I don't think this is a spoiler to say, I kind of touched on it in the review, is that the point it builds to at the end, and it, and it takes its time building there, but like in the last, I'd say, 10... There's a point about 15 minutes from the end, maybe 10 minutes from the end, where I go, I see what's happened here. I see what you're doing. And the mm. point is, is that this, the you know... Uh, a lot of tragedy happened when the, the switch to sound happened. And these people who were lost and their stories have been forgotten and the pain that they suffered is actually part of something bigger and actually becomes part of something. It, it's, a, it's a moment when someone's watching a big screen and they have this kind of realisation that all the experiences they have gone through, which seem very transient and lost and tragic, have actually kind of worked their way back into the wider narrative of cinema. Mm. And I go, oh, that's nice. And then after that, there's another 10 minute bit where Damien goes a bit film school and I go, oh. The more and more I think about that ending where you see, you know, 2001 well, well, and Avatar. Uh, do we, are we should we spoil it for people? No, I don't think that ruins it. Just like seeing a bunch of films. Oh, I'm happy to say it. And I just feel like you've, well, think, you've really let an idea run away from your film plot. Yes. It's really like a separate thing or a separate idea that you've got, yes, we're going to build this. It just, it just you, didn't fit. That, that and I was, was itching. Was I was like kind of ready That was the go. moment with Babylon where I was like, it's kind of like the Emperor's Got No Clothes, where you've been like, look yeah. how it's this idea is. And you go, ooh, no. Yeah. Ooh, and you come from like that Tobey Maguire scene, which I won't spoil. Yeah. In, it just, I just thought like you went from that whole bit, which takes its time to tell. And then you were almost like rushing to get to that. Yeah. After you've been there for nearly for four, three hours. Yeah, um, yeah interesting. Similar, similar complaints. Thanks, Joe. I'm going to read it out an email. I'm going to read it's out. Going well so far. <laughs> I'm going to read out an email today. This next email is from William, who writes in all capitals: "Coda is bloody brilliant." <laughs> Hi, George and James. My name is Will uh, William. I'm a camera trainee in Cities oh. Morn, Kent, with autism. Listening to your podcast has felt like a breath of fresh air. That's inspiring my love of film again. Well, that's very kind. Oh, thank you. I heard on episode sixty that you talked about Coda passing you by in 2020. I did. Yes. Frankly, I think this is criminal. I'm sorry, lock me up. I wanted to be the one to tell you it, it is bloody amazing, heartfelt and hilarious. In all caps. Yes. yes. I struggle to recall a film that has affected me and my family so much in the last few years. Mm. The way it uses deafness, family and music as its key themes is authentic and creative as the writer spent months with a fishing family in the States with a coda, child of deaf, child of deaf adults. Yes, that was it, wasn't it? Uh, as research for her script. The result is a brilliant, mature drama about deafness in music, livelihood and young life and importantly about understanding perspectives. Amelia Jones is also fantastic in it as, as well you know uh i'm not saying i thought it looks bad i just yeah. it just is more like it, it kind of because it was released on apple it had a very limited sort of poke through uh, into the, the wider TV, yeah. zeitgeist I, I i will definitely give it right and you, you you write very passionate about it passionately about it will so that is the exact um like that's the exact opinion i've heard when i've sought out the reviews of people yes. who I trust and i go oh like this film's passed me by what are people saying about it and that is very similar which gives me a huge reason yes. to go, oh, I should really check this out. I should, I, I think I got six months free of Apple TV Plus. Oh yes. With a purchase of like my PS5. Oh, <laughs> like, I do still have it and I need to like okay. use it more. He follows on by saying, I do however agree with your view that those years felt particularly empty because of streaming services filling up the void. Mm. Um, but I seriously think Apple TV is the most underrated streaming service on the market. Shows like Ted Lasso are addictive to, to rewatch. Uh, 
we hopefully have something stay good for stay tuned, tuned for Ted Lasso fans. Uh, we hope we have a nice surprise coming for you in the coming weeks. Um, our addictive to rewatch while shrinking, long way up, and severance have all have interesting messages to say about the world we live in today. On that note, what films or TV shows on a lesser known service do you think are underrated? Big question. I think my immediate one would just be to say, to follow up the email we had the other week, which is, is to say that, look, I don't know anyone who has Paramount+, Plus, but the offer is a good, yeah, fun really watch if, you, if you're a film fan. Just a good, fun, easy watch. Um, James, do you have any I, 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 Everyone's going on about it, but Severance and Apple TV+, Plus, a lot of people still haven't seen. I know right. everyone who's seeing it Me is included. talking about it like it's The Wire and Breaking Bad. It's like that, it's yeah, that yeah, new yeah. level of show, but like... Uh, yeah, I think it's still underseen. People need to talk about it. Yeah, okay. you should watch that when you get a chance. Uh, P.S. I think his controversial film opinion is this. I think the fifth I think the fifth element is very overrated. Mm. And I think that Baby Driver should have won Best Editing over Dunkirk in 2017. Interesting. So um, Baby Driver over Dunkirk. I get that the frenetic energy of Edgar Wright, you might, yeah, deserving yeah. thing. But the thing is, I do think Dunkirk is on the whole a better oh. film than Baby Driver. Like Dunkirk is almost artful. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think there's, I think it's Dunkirk really, is, really bold. It's so good. I, it I is. don't even talk about how good it is. I think it's really... It's the, I've talked about this, but it's the bleakness for me. Yeah. The, and just like, the, it, it's really, um, it feels really like disciplined and it, it does so, it, it would have been so easy to sort of swell and, and bring everything up and it doesn't. It, despite being, yeah. you know, a, an IMAX war film from Christopher Nolan, I just feel like it, what, it, what it does to hold back and it gives you its little moments at the end. It's just so good. It's one of the best looking films I've ever seen. Mm. I absolutely adored the way that film was shot. Anyway, William, thank you for that email. I will try and check out Coda. This next one is from a friend of mine called Harry. Okay. He says, hello, James and George. Medium time listener here. Love the pod and love to listen to your views as film fanatics. I'm not a film buff and I sometimes worry that your recommendations and analysis might be too tailored for an audience that really understands film, which leads me to my question. Well, I want to say we're a broad church here. <laughs> yeah. Anyone's welcome. We don't wish to exclude anyone. We're trying to do a little bit of everything. He says, you both mention having seen films with your girlfriends. We do. Talia, my girlfriend, in particular, sounds like she doesn't know much about films. <laughs> or of the world by the sounds of things and when you mention her opinions on film eg i saw it with talia and she enjoyed it even though she doesn't understand the references <laughs> to insert well-known director's work here i find it really helpful he says about uh, how about you ask talia and george's girlfriend too to record a minute or two of their <laughs> thoughts when you see a film with them let's give them a voice and with talia's thoughts at least it would be a laugh harry a very good question look i i i do like watching stuff with my, my girlfriend anna because she does uh, I don't, just for the, for the record, just because we do a film podcast yeah. and we watch a lot of films and we have experience in films and film degree or whatever, doesn't mean our opinion is any more valid than no. the person we see it with. As long as that person has engaged with the film, I, I, I could actually interrogate. So I've seen films or shown my girlfriend films that either like I've really enjoyed or I'm really looking forward to. And I've kind of gone, yeah, yeah, that was quite cool. And then she'll come out with a comment like, yeah, but why did they do that? Or I'm not sure I like that bit. Yeah. And it'll completely question and challenge my opinion on it and in a, in a really refreshing way so i really like watching that like with um the last of us i mentioned yes yeah you have a close attachment to it mm. i had a medium attachment to it she had no idea which makes for an interesting a watching great experience. watching experience yeah. so it's good to see through her eyes how she engages with stuff um i will i i will confess there have been a couple of times where she said something about a film that i've gone 
damn, that's really smart. I'm going to say that on the <laughs> yeah. podcast. Behind every successful podcast, there is uh, <laughs> really two girlfriends. I have said to Talia many times that she'd be more than welcome on the show. The number of times that we record this podcast and Talia is literally in the other room yes. working. She's a lawyer, so she works a lot. And then we'll finish. And then she comes in and speaks to you and has a really great take yes. on things like the White Lotus or yes. the four films. And I'm like, you'd be more than welcome to come on the show. But, but I don't think she fancies it. The before film is a good one because yes. I really want she, to know what I her know, opinion was. It, it's, uh, it's one of those things that like, you know, men and women have different interpretations of it, who you follow in those yes. films and how you receive it. Um, yeah, it's, I, I think the same thing. There is, there, there is something about uh, watching someone watch something who has more of a clean slate. Yeah. Uh, they're, not, they're not carrying baggage yes. of previous work or uh, an interpretation that comes before it. It's the same with Rings yeah. of Power. I'm so, I was so into it and I was like, Tally, this is actually really good. You would really like it. It's not this like overly stuffy yeah. Tolkien thing. Like, I, you'd really enjoy and it. And then you watch the rest of the series. <laughs> and then you watch the series. <laughs> and then she's like asking me a million questions about it. And I'm yeah. like, oh, like that is that and that person's Because it, it do shows that. you where it's not working. Yes, and and it, it, I can yeah. see how that works for someone who's not, in, it got the same amount of investment. I think you also got to be aware of the film critics curse. Not that we, we're calling ourselves no. film critics, but like people who review films for many years, for decades, mm. the problem they have and the reason they become out of touch is because they, they live a life where they watch 10 films a week. Um, sorry, my stomach has been rumbling for about half an hour. <laughs> I'm really sorry if it's been picked up on the microphone. No, um, they watch about 10 films a week, you know, like, like 500 films a year. Yeah. And um, you start to see the matrix. They, for they, what they, it is, they, they, yeah, they, 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 they therefore cannot, um, their opinions are. Mm do not relate to people who watch two films a month. Yes. Or one for a month. Their, their perspective on what makes a good film. Yeah. It's not any more valid. It's just, yeah. it, they're, they're kind of almost, um, uh, they've been excluded and they're on a separate level to, 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 to us. I think that is exactly what happened to me with Avatar. You know, I'm watching two, three films a week and then I'm like going into Avatar, The Way of Water, which I think if you're sitting, that's like the fourth, third or fourth film you're going to see that year. And yeah. It's way, it's much more palatable as an experience. Yeah. Was when I'm seeing other things do that action yeah. and that thing better, it just was very boring but to me. But neither opinion is more valid because, yeah. you know, a lot of people, for very good reasons, don't have time to watch films. Yeah, yeah. Or are not interested in films. Yeah. Well, they want, only want to see a couple of things that interest them. Um, anyway. So, Harry, there you go. Uh, they are more than welcome to come on, and I think we should definitely make it happen one day. Okay, our last email today is from Neil. And Neil says, Hi, guys. Neil here. I'm relatively new here, but I discovered the podcast on Instagram. Hey, we've got an Instagram oh, one. Usually it's TikTok. Yeah, learn up. <laughs> that pop kitchen podcast. Um, discovered on Instagram at the end of last year and haven't stopped listening since. Thank you. Does that mean it's just been on a continual loop? Like <laughs> yes. episode finishes, it plays again. Like I need morning, someone to run a server farm with like 800 phones <laughs> just cycling and liking our content. Thank you for doing that. Uh, it is easily my favourite podcast at the moment. Ah, at the moment. Whoa, oh, well, I hope we stay. So we dip in and out <laughs> yeah. of your own little Any moment now, chart. we're going to go. No, Neil, that's very kind. And we hope we uh, continue to be a favourite of yours. Um, my question today is mainly for James, but we'd love to hear some input from George as well. I recently saw on your Instagram, James, that you were in Cape Town, South Africa. Yes. And I was curious to know how different it is from how it is usually portrayed in Western cinema. Okay. I ask this because I'm from Mozambique and I have seen the African continent being portrayed in very stereotypical ways. Yeah. Um, also, hello to Mozambique. Uh, fantastic. Yeah. We are our first listener, I believe, uh, from Mozambique. Also, George, I heard in one of the episodes that you have you loved time travel in, in movies and TV. I do. And I would like to recommend the Netflix TV series Dark. I'd love to hear your, your, your thoughts on this. Yes, this has been pointed out to mm. me by several emails. And I, I'm very much aware that I need to go and watch Dark because I do love time travel. Um, so thank you. That's making its way up my list again. So James, just quickly on that uh, about uh, yes, the portrayal I, uh, of Africa. I did go to Cape Town this year. Always love going. It's a beautiful country. In terms of um, the representation of Africa in, in Western cinema, it's always been a bit of a mixed bag, hasn't it? I think there are some really great films that have, you know, 
tackled very distinct conflicts and moments in history, which mm. I think I'm so glad they take that on. But I think also we can be slightly guilty of only showing the worst side, yeah. the sob stories. The sensationalist moments. The sensationalist moment. Like, you know, Blood Diamond is an amazing mm. film, but also it portrays a very, which I think if that came out now, I'm not sure it would be received yeah. in the same way, but it's still a really great film in its own right. I think I rewatched it maybe like two, three years mm. ago and it, and it still works. And then Invictus is a really interesting film about, you know, rugby mm. and Morgan Freeman's playing um, Nelson Mandela. Um, but in terms of my impression of it, Cape Town is absolutely beautiful it's, it's a very long way to go from the uk it's like a 12-hour flight but i wish more people would go the people there are some of the warmest kindliest friendliest mm. people if you like wine you're in luck because cape town's absolutely gorgeous but um yeah that's all i have to say i mean i will i would just add that obviously uh i'm not i would i would say i'm we're, we and i'm not the people to speak about and on my experience as, of south africa i will say as a tourist is incredibly different to what it's like to live there and based on a bunch of other factors um, so you know it's it's a different conversation what i think is interesting is that um you know you look at films that are only maybe 20 years old and yeah. how they've dated like black hawk down for example which is a film i watched a lot when i was younger the lack of a somalian perspective on yeah. that yeah uh, is I just think would just be completely different now. That would be much more written in. It's it's just not there. It's the completely American gun ho perspective. Even though I, I think Black Hawk Down works in its own way, I think now I'd be like, well, where's the where's the smart Somalian perspective? On and, this? And I know people have a lot of mixed feelings about uh, the portrayal of Somalis in Captain Phillips as well. Yes. So it's just it's that hard is for an me interesting to comment one on. as well. Because, but but then I but then I mean again, not that I'm one to say because I'm not Somalian, so I yeah. can't I can't say if it's, it's true or not. But I do remember at least finding it interesting or admiring the th they do you give, give the, it a the pirates moment, three dimensions important barker yeah. abdi's main uh the main what's the word i'm looking for a hostage taker T um, pirate sorry the uh, given uh, more dimensions and i remember paul greengrass who's the director yeah. of captain phyllis saying that the whole film is really about globalization and about on the one hand you have the shipping container you know shipping freight all over the world yeah. that captain phyllis does and then you have these pirates who are you know, trying to uh, survive and make a way of life. And, and, and these sort of two of the horseshoe of globalization, these two points of meeting. And that frames those depictions in an interesting way for me. Yeah. But um, I think it's also important to acknowledge that, you know, we're talking about, you mentioned South Africa and Mozambique. We're talking about Africa as a whole. And it's, I mean, of course, it's Jesus, sort of like, yeah, it's huge. Well, where are we talking about in what, what yeah. scenario in, in North Africa? West Africa, East Africa. It's North all Africa. just not, yeah, I think that's another problem, which I think if you look at, charity videos and presentations from the early hugely noughties hugely problematic just now. incredibly patronizing and um just slightly i know I, I get the sort of the intention is to draw awareness and you know e the representation of ethiopia in the 80s is very troubling and how mm. that's never really lost its representation yes. of being a country that's been riddled with famine and it's actually just come a completely different yeah, scenario know, now yeah. again i feel very like uh, sort of off commenting on it but i think there's a lot to unpack with that but yeah there is also just Africa has so I mean, again I feel weird talking about Africa as a whole but yeah. like, Africa's cinema has uh, fantastic films mm. uh, uh, there's a great heritage of, of filmmaking in the continent so but thank you for out. your lovely email oh and there's a controversial opinion in there oh go on I like but I'm loving the controversial opinion yes send, send them in always I love good. it uh, my controversial opinion is that Tenet is actually a good movie I love it I know it has its flaws and all but it does get better the more you watch it. Keep up the good work, Neil. And I'm going to quote is Tarantino, who was uh, he was asked what he thought of Tenet, and he went, um, "I think I need to see it again. <laughs> I need to see it again." Um, I don't. Is is saying Tenet's a good film a controversial opinion, or is saying Tenet's a bad film a controversial opinion? That's the thing. I don't know. I uh, I, I, I that's a very cool thing. Yeah, fair enough. I still do, I think it's my least favorite Nolan film. I think it's a turgid. Yes. 
emotionally barren, cold slab of filmmaking that has amazing set pieces. Yes. And also- Fun to be there in a cinema to watch. Kind of. And then uh, it is also so like- um, Illogical, not illogical, like inarticulate. The last third of that scene. So everything's coming back. You're just, your, but, your mind is going like, what? The f- I can't get a handle on this concept. But here's the thing. I believe that all of that makes sense on paper. Totally. On, on, yeah. a, on an AI I computer. Believe it. I believe he's perfectly limed up the forward yes, and backwards. Yeah, totally. Doesn't mean I could follow it. No. Enjoyed I, watching I, it. I was, I, when I came out of Tenet, I was like, there is a reason people don't base an entire narrative blockbuster <laughs> yeah. on a very advanced concept of like, astrophysics yes okay that doesn't break down easily yeah. into a narrative of a film yeah yeah and, and it also you know it's still a very exciting watch nolan's brand of shooting action you know when he's like doing mm. fire engines and he's crawling on the, on, oh, on the yeah. highway and then it happens back yeah. it's like that's all like classic dark night yeah. you know interstellar style Nolan action it's always edited and shot so well there, that's there, yeah. but it doesn't mean that I can I can follow it. Even in that scene, I'm like the gun and the briefcase. I, I'm like, I really yeah, just I'm like, I'm cause, not... yeah, because every time there's an action moment or a moment of action, I think okay, but if if they re- reverse the entropy and they've done the thing, because you have to now go back in your mind. But this next scene started, and I, I, that's so also, I have to focus. I on completely that. reject the idea that it's like oh, you need to go back and rewatch it again. It's like no, I, 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 I think the film is flawed. It's not like the Prestige where you, it's a oh, yeah, it's a know. twist. You go ah, you'll see now so much in it. it if you're you're basically saying to me is, ah, yeah, it's so, Chris, Christopher Nolan is basically saying, it's so advanced that you actually, just in order to understand it, you need to read up on the, read the textbook several yeah, times. Yeah, no. no, no, no. I watched it again and I felt the same watching <laughs> it again, which means, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't be on there. But uh, also, I have that, sorry, now I'm ranting yeah, yeah. about that. I, when, um, I remember Edith Bowman doing a review of it. Right, okay. or, or she was hosting on Five Live and yeah. she was like, ah, oh, you know, I just love it when, that line which says, don't don't think about it, just feel it. And that's the heart of the thing. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, that would be great if there was a single emotional beat in Tenet. But yeah. you can't tell me to emotionally invest in a film where the main character doesn't have a name. He's just called the protagonist. The protagonist. Like, eat come on. shit, Nolan, come, come on. on. That being said, I appreciate that he always works with original IP. You yes, know, he, he's uh, yeah, always absolutely. a new idea. He's he, always telling he made the film big he wanted ideas, to make. Yes, big storytelling on the largest canvas. It's I'm just so, that- so much nicer than what we could have got. I only got this worked up because Nolan has got to the point now where he where he's successful enough that it's okay to be you can challenge him more. Yes. It's like you do with Avatar like yeah. it's okay to challenge Avatar. It can it will survive. It's going to be shown to so many people. I'm not it's not like I'm like stamping on a, a, a half a million dollar indie film am yeah. I for no reason I just think I think Nolan can take the heat a little he'll bit be back with another huge two to three hundred million dollar yeah. studio film I'm and he's so hyped for Oppenheimer I, ca- I cannot wait yeah. you know I watched the trailer for an IMAX trailer yeah, I think on brilliant. the way to Babylon it just looks so so good we anyway. said before just quickly on that I'm so glad Killian Murphy is finally getting a leading role in a big film I know he's had Peaky Blinders yeah. but I really like yes you deserve this you're really talented yeah. you're gonna be great I can't wait can't can't wait so look, those are all our emails this week. We 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 are going to end with the emails. We we normally do a game, but we did that big section about the Oscars 2013. So uh, that concludes our episode today. Before we do the roundout, I just want to say, don't forget that we have recorded that bonus episode about the before films yes. that's sitting there. We spent time and we did it. Lots of good feedback from that episode. And People really enjoyed it. If you still haven't watched those films, go out and do it and we and watch the episode and let us know your thoughts. If you want to hear our impressions on The Last of Us, I know we did a bit today. If you want to hear our impressions on that first episode, that is on the feeds. Yeah. Go and check that out. If you have, for that. If you have any thoughts on The Last 
Last of Us, let us know as well as yes. ever to hello at pulpkitchenpodcast.com. We're trying to talk about it too much, but I think if if it warrants conversation, we'll keep, yes. we'll keep bringing it up and then we'll probably build to like a little series review. So if you want to just send us opinions and then we'll sort of have that ready for when we get to the end of that. But as always, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Pop Kitchen. We post new episodes of the show every single we Wednesday. We try to post episodes every Wednesday. when I get delayed coming home and... I'm Please forgive us if an episode is late. It will come. The episode, <coughs> don't get us wrong. It comes. The episode will always come. Sometimes it's like a, it's a Wednesday night and you yeah. wake up to it on Thursday. But you, you, unless there. we have uh, like a technical difficulty, like we had that one time. But yes, um, ho- fingers crossed that won't happen. I got so much love when people, like, I posted my technical difficulties Instagram story. And people are like, hard it. It's cool, man. Cool. <laughs> um, as ever, guys, please follow us on Instagram and TikTok. Give us a like, give us a subscribe mm-hmm. um, and share us with your friends. Spread the word. If you like this podcast, you want more people to listen to it. We'd really appreciate got it. got some really nice ratings on Spotify and Apple. So if you do listen on those platforms, just take five seconds to give us a rating. Please subscribe. It makes such a huge yes, difference to you. our show it's a little thing you can do that's free for you to do if you listen to this and uh, it just means that we can grow the show we can get more interest get more things going on so please please do that and until then we'll speak next week see you next week great great